You're listening to the Spiro Avenue Show. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch our full shows and clips and highlights on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy. There's no intro today. We're going to get right into the meat and potatoes of this show. The pride of Duncanville, Texas, Matt McQuaid joining us in studio. Matt McQuaid, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Uh, Welcome home again. It's crazy to see you back in Michigan. We're in weird times. I know you had a big signing today. What's going on? What brings you back home to Michigan? I've been back for a while now and kind of want to get back and see some familiar faces. Uh, My season actually, I, I got home in March. That my season in Germany restarted in May, so I had to go back. And I was in Dallas during that downtime. Then when I got back, I came back to, I got back in late June. And I uh, just want to see some friends, my girlfriend, and just been here ever since, really. One of the most beloved imports from the state of Texas uh, in this state is uh, Matt McQuaid. I think you had probably the earliest coming out party in the history of the Tom Izzo era where you were on campus for like five seconds and you were extremely popular. Not uh, an unheralded recruit, but you know, not a top 10 five-star uh, bona fide either. And you just were dropping bombs against Kansas in the second game of the year, your, your freshman year. Like, was that a whirlwind for you? You're on campus, it's your second game, you're in the United Center in the Champions Classic playing a top five Kansas team and you're out there in the late second half taking the big shots. Like, what was that like for you? That was crazy, you know, the, the you know, First big game as a freshman, you know, I'm nervous, you know, my, I think like my first possession, I like airmailed a, a layup off the backboard, just nervous. And, uh, you know, coach is just like, you look like a, a deer in headlights. And I'm like, man, so, um, yeah. And I come down and like, I hit a three to like end in the first half and that kind of got me going. And then, uh, Zell, you know, he was like, I just heard him like when I pump faked and took a dribble and shot it through, he's like, shoot it. And that kind of gave me the confidence to take that shot. And then the big one in the corner, you know, I just kind of caught it from Costello. It was a terrible pass from Costello, but got it, just put it in the air and it was money. And it was just a great feeling. And, you know, people forget Zell had a triple double that game. And it was just a, it was a great night to be a Spartan on that night. Yeah. You kind of stole the show early. I, I, I laugh at the deer and headlights thing because I remember watching that game live. I just moved back home after finishing law school in Chicago. And so I was sitting on the floor with my TV on the ground. It looked like Bin Laden's compound at my house here watching that game. And the announcers were saying, oh, the freshman doesn't look ready to play. Like that, they were kind of saying the same thing. It's like, uh, this moment might be a little too big for him. And then like eight minutes later, you're just winning the game for Michigan State. And that was such a, a crazy time. And I mean, you, you talked about Izzo kind of getting in your face about deer and headlights like right away. It's your, you know, your second game. There's a lot that people say about Tom Izzo, especially outside of the program. He came under fire for how he spoke to Aaron Henry, you know, about two years ago during uh, the tournament. Like, what's your take on him? Obviously, most guys seem to like him. What was it like playing for Tom Izzo? I loved it. You know, he's a he's a very passionate coach and he shows it. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, you know, I feel like us as players, we fed off of it. You know, you want to see that, 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 that caring emotion, and he shows it all the time. And, uh, you know, it was great to play for just because uh, it, it brings a, uh, an intensity, you know, and it just amps up. You can feel it in certain games sometimes, like, like in a Michigan game or a big uh, Champions Classic game. You know, you can feel how amplified it is just from the way he's talking and from that energy. Not to say 
we don't treat every game the same because we definitely did. But you, there's just a certain energy with his emotions and the way he just amps up everything. There were some guys, uh, you know, in the history of the the program that really did not do well with that. You know, we saw before your time, uh, Garrett Sherman, Chris Allen were both pretty open about not feeling they were a good fit with the program. Did you ever feel at any point in four years like, I can't take this guy anymore, even though you love him now, big picture, you love him? Were there ever moments where you were just like, you know what, F you, Tom, like, I can't, you know, screw you? It's definitely an adjustment. You know, you're, you're coming in a high school kid, you know, and you're not used to somebody just holding you accountable 24-7 on and off the court. You know, it's definitely a big adjustment. And uh, he, uh, he'll let you know when you're not doing something right. And uh, for me, you know, I, I, I loved it. You know, it, it made me a better person, you know, on and off. And uh, uh, just uh, helped me create better habits, you know, basketball-wise. You know, I was a gym rat before, but it really showed me, you know, uh, uh, quality over quantity and just um, – uh, yeah, he really just uh, helped me get to where I'm at. I think your your big leap because you came in as a shooter. Everybody knew you were a great shooter. That you had balls. You you weren't going to shrink from the moment. That was your first day on campus. You didn't need Tom Izzo for that. What was incredible to me is the le- uh, the big leap and strides you made defensively, where you went from you know an adequate defender as a freshman, as most are at best, to one of the best defenders in the country. I would argue. I mean, how much of that was just Tom Izzo drilling you over and over again? I mean, I'm sure, you know, feel free to take a little bit of credit for that, but I, how much you credit Izzo for that development? Uh, I credit him a lot. I also got to give a lot of credit to Coach Fife. You know, he, he uh, really took me under his wing. He played at Indiana, was a great defender, and uh, he showed me a lot throughout my four years, and uh, I really bought into what he was telling me early, and uh, it really, uh, really helped me out a lot, become a better defender, and, uh, you know, you're – we had a lot of great players at Michigan State. You know, you always got all uh, McDonald's All-Americans, and I'm not the most athletic guy. So, you know, I'm trying to find ways to get extra minutes on the court. And one thing was defense. You know, that's a, that's a great way. And uh, I really just put an emphasis on my defense throughout my college career. So moving forward, just big picture rivalry with the University of Michigan. I've spoken to a lot of former MSU athletes, uh, some current, you know, in the moment. There's sort of a spectrum of answers, but it's all some variation of the same that you guys hate Michigan. You don't like Michigan. It's not hidden that you dislike Michigan. I mean, take me into that rivalry from Matt McQuaid's eyes. You're in there uh, battling. Did you have a hatred for Michigan? Is it something you guys talked about uh, going into the game or was it just another game to you? No, that game's definitely amped up. Uh, I'm coming from Texas, so I didn't know much about it. Like I knew it was a rivalry, but I'm like, oh. Texas, Oklahoma, like Red River, man, they, they, yeah, we, we definitely don't like each other. You know, it's, it's amped up, you know, Michigan week, you know, we got our, you know, we're breaking out. We're like, we don't like Michigan. Um, just, you know, just talking all week, just amping each other up. We're doing slides with towels. I think my freshman year, we're doing them with like towels behind our back. You know, there's definitely a different intensity for that Michigan game. So I, the best Michigan game for you, and I think for a lot of Michigan State fans from your entire four-year period there, was the Big Ten Championship game your senior season. I believe your best friend on the team, one of them certainly Kyle Arns, right, goes down, uh, catastrophic injury, just horrible. He's on crutches almost immediately. Comes out like Willis Reed minus the, the whole playing part. You end up going off. You get Michigan State off the mat. I, as far as I'm concerned, obviously I know you're going to be PC. You're going to say. Uh, everyone contributed. 
That is your conference title as far as I can, I'm concerned. In the same way that I look at the 2010 Final Four banner and say that's Corey Lucius's banner because he hit that shot against Maryland, that conference title banner is Matt McQuaid's. Take me to that game. What are you thinking when, when your buddy goes down? Uh, what was that whole scenario like for you? Yeah. Um, when Kyle went down, you know, that's my guy. That's, uh, he's been my roommate since freshman year. North Wonder, shout out. Uh, you know, all four years we've been rooming together, and he's been through so much and different injuries, and he helped me through my injury. He's, uh, he's just a great guy, and uh, to see that happen to him was just uh, it was uh, very hard to watch, you know, and just seeing him on the ground crying and uh you know we all walked over and we gave him a hug and i was like i got you we're gonna win this you know and they had like michigan had a lot of momentum at that time and i felt like you know when we got in our huddle but after kyle got taken off the floor everybody just kind of like all right let's go let's let's go get this so you know we uh we ended up uh the next play i think after he goes down i come down i think coach actually drew up a play for me come off a pin down and I hit the three. And then at that time, I started clapping my hands. I was like, all right, let's go get this. One of my good friends is Chris Castellani. He's a giant Michigan fan, diehard Michigan fan. And you are on Cameo. And I paid you to do a Cameo to send to Chris saying that you heard he was a huge Michigan State fan and uh, that you you were happy to help him out on that great Final Four run. So I think you are one of the most hated uh, players by the fan base of your rival, which is, I mean, one of the best compliments you can get. So I I just, I think it's hilarious how your name is cursed uh, by so many of them after that game. And that was probably, I'd have to think about it, probably the most rewarding game other than Duke of that entire season, which was a a great year. But uh, that was just so awesome. You are forever in my heart for ripping their heart out. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, Just, Talk about a little bit, the game against Duke, Duke has tormented me, has tormented my brother. We've had a lot of long nights texting about it, uh, about how much we hate them. I actually am in grad school right now at the University of North Carolina, so I especially hate Duke. You guys are going in there as underdogs, clear underdogs, as much as you can be as a two seed. It was considered egregious that you were a two seed and how unfair it was that you were going to have to face Duke. Talk about going into that game. What are you thinking? What, what's the, the prep like for that game? It's a quick turnaround from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight. Um, I remember coming back after the LSU game, and we were watching film, and we were, you know, like you said, we had the underdog mentality. We got nothing to lose, and we were just kind of like, all right, we can, we can get this. Like, we have a good game plan. Like, coach has given us a scouting report on everything, and we, we're feeling pretty confident about it. You know, we know we're going up against uh first round, I mean, first pick of the NBA draft and Zion and then, I mean, R.J. Barrett, too, was a, I think he was third. So they got two, I mean, three lottery picks. But we knew we were going to have our hands full. And um, so, like, we go into the game, you know, well, we're not scared. We're, we're not fearful or anything. We're going out there. We're trying to win the game in advance. And uh, like you said, we're, we had that underdog mentality. I think they had more pressure. They, they knew the pressure was on them more than us. And uh, we had a lot of veterans on that team, too, and me and Penny and uh, Cassius. And I would say X was even a veteran, even though he was a sophomore. And, uh, yeah, even uh, the guys on our scout team that were, like, helping us the practices before, like Connor George, Jack Hoiberg, they did a great job. And, you know, Kyle's on the bench helping coach. Everybody was contributing, and just it was a real group effort. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like you said, we just had nothing to lose, and we just went out there and played like it. 
What was the the Duke team like on the floor? I mean, what's Zion Williamson like playing against? Is he out there talking? Is he just a freak up close? Yeah. I mean, what is he? What's it like out there against Zion? I have Williamson? never played anything like him, man. Like it was a he's a cyborg. I mean, he, he gets off the ground so fast, and he's so strong, and he's big. He, he was a he's a beast, you know. He he gets a he's earned everything he he gets, and um, you know a lot of a lot of props to him. He's a really great player. You see him in the NBA doing what he does. He's like one of the most efficient players, you know. I remember one time I like was like trying to box him out for you, and he just threw me, and I was like, dang. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, throwing bigger guys than you. Yeah, I mean, this, dude, this dude is ridiculous. He's just a man, and it's funny because by his own admission, he's incredibly out of shape. I mean, he's basically said that I'm out of shape, and he's still he's just so springy that it doesn't matter. I mean, God forbid that guy gets in shape. Look, look out, uh, NBA. But I, I was just fascinated watching him and watching that team against you guys because obviously their core three. There wasn't one lottery pick for you guys, you know, on that on that four, and you're going against the one, the three, and you know, what the seven or whatever it was. But it was just one of the more incredible wins, especially given the history of Duke, and they have been one of the few programs that have just tormented Michigan State. And to win not just a big game against Duke, but against the most heralded Duke team maybe ever. I mean, certainly in the last 15 years or so, was just so rewarding. You get to. The next game against Texas Tech, who I think was a better team than Duke, actually. I'll get your opinion on that in a second. But going into that game, you know, the fear was they punch everybody in the mouth. Uh, they defend. They get up in your face. You're in this, you know, giant uh, stadium. It's already tough to shoot by all count. What happened in the Texas Tech game? You come out. You drill a three early. You know, start, starting to feel pretty good, right, you know, at the beginning. And then it starts to unravel. You guys make it close in the end. But what was your experience on the floor in that game? Yeah, uh, like you said, that that depth perception, you know, the half-court shot. Like when we first went out there, it felt like it looks like a free throw because uh, it goes back and there's just 93,000 people in there, and it's crazy. But uh, Texas Tech, yeah, they're a very, very good defensive team, and they had a lot of veterans, and they had a first-round pick in Jarrett Culver. You know, they had a really good team. And, um, yeah, I just uh, – I remember, I think Aaron Henry got two or three fouls in the first half, and yeah. that, that kind of hurt. And, um, you know, just from a defensive standpoint, you know, putting a, putting the young guys in that situation, that's really tough. Um, and uh, we, we ended up having to do that with Gabe, who did the best job he could. And, um, you know, we just uh, – we just I feel like we kind of got tired and we were running out of gas in the wings. But we also just uh, – they just – they did a great job, man. They they were rebound. They I think they out rebounded us a lot. They kept us out the paint. They did a good job on Cassius. But you know, it was just uh, it was tough. But yeah, we just some some stuff didn't go our way, and you know, it's like that sometimes. And you know, I, Henry had that great you know cut to the basket, cuts it to one pretty late. I mean, it was you guys were down you know twelve. It felt like for ten minutes, and then it gets all the way down to one. They come down, hit a big shot, come back the other way, offensive foul on Cassius, which was questionable in that moment um that's a whole other story but hey, if you play that game 10 times how often does michigan state win in your opinion you play that same exact game same stadium 10 times you guys win at least half right i mean i don't think they were clearly better than you guys yeah i would say that i mean we played them we played them good you know i feel like we could have played them a lot better that's what sucks is that you don't get a second chance and um it was not your best punch like as a team i felt exactly, like you guys yeah. kind of played like you're, you didn't I, play horribly but you played like a b b minus game and you need your A game uh, yeah, against that. Yeah. As a whole, we did not play our best game. 
And I think really that Texas Tech team probably should have won the national title. If anyone that watched the game against Virginia, they had that game about six different times. Yeah. And, and there was some, you know, and Virginia probably shouldn't have even been there. Uh, they got uh, about six different bounces before that to even get into that spot. But again, a different story. Um, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Everyone's talking now about, you know, paying players, not paying players, especially in the light of COVID, what's going on. You're playing at Michigan State for four years. You were a contributor from day one. Did you ever feel while you were there, like, this is, this is BS, I should be getting paid for this? Or did you feel like you were amply you know, compensated from the scholarship? Where do you stand on that argument? Because I've heard both from players. I'm back and forth on it. Um, I feel like as I feel like maybe just uh, should be getting a little more money. But at the same time, you know, I mean, you're only there a year, I guess. Like Miles Bridges came back for two years. Darren went for a year, and I, I don't know. I just, I don't really, I don't really have a really big opinion on that. I try to stay away from that. It's not really my place. So, uh, you, but you don't feel like you were screwed, or this, you know, you were cheated out of something uh, from your Michigan State experience, in other words, because that's I actually have heard that from other players. Uh, actually, one that went to University of Michigan that felt that they were robbed, and it was a football player, but uh, yeah. you didn't feel cheated by. I don't. I had a great experience, and I have memories that are gonna last my whole life. And uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, I'm sure, like, I definitely can see where some players are coming from. You know that, you know, have uh, like a big fan base and the big Instagram base where they could potentially make a lot of money and just market. You know, I mean, I can see that. But at the at the same time, from my point of view, it was just you know, great experience, free education, great time memories, friendship, you know, and I, I just, I loved it there and wouldn't trade it for the world. I think one of the more interesting things with Michigan State's program that you see more so than you see at, you know, say Kentucky uh, and certainly other programs as well, is that sense of family. It's something Tom Izzo talks about, players talk about. Jaron Jackson has been back several times. Miles Bridges gets back every time he can. Obviously, Draymond Green has made substantial donations to the program. It seems to be uh, the rule, not the exception, that guys feel this attachment. I don't know if you have any insight into this. I interviewed Darrell Summers, who was a senior in 2011, on the show about two years ago, and he didn't say anything bad about Michigan State, but he didn't have much good to say either. You look at that senior class, Kaylin Lucas and Darrell Summers being the two key components of that. Even now on social media, Michigan State has a big game. Denzel Valentine's on Twitter talking about it. You're talking about it. Bridges talks about Michigan State favorably every chance he gets. And for the most part, Kalen Lucas and Darrell Summers have not said anything after a big Michigan State game, with very few exceptions in the decades since they left. Did you ever see those guys come around when you were there? Do you know what, what, what's going on, why they're kind of detached from the program, or is there some bitterness there? Uh, Kalen Lucas, he came, he came around a couple times during the summer. I know, um, I, I think uh, Watts worked out with them a couple times in Detroit recently, but um, not really sure on that. but. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the whole situation on that. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, like I said, Lucas has been around. Didn't seem like there was any bad blood when he's up there. And I don't really know Summers, so I can't really say anything. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess I would argue that like you haven't seen Summers. It's got, it's, it's speculation. I don't know. I tried to get it out of him, and he was just kind of leaving it alone. So yeah, I was just curious if you had seen him up there, and he's given you know fist bumps, and I'm just like it's over my head. But it that was a weird era for Michigan State where they're coming off two Final Fours, their preseason number two going into 2011. They barely make the tournament. They get bounced early. 
and Lucas and Summers have kind of just faded. And it's a shame because Lucas is one of the best players in the history of the program, Big Ten Player of the Year. Have it, you know, not been for a catastrophic injury for himself, probably has a national title on his resume. So I, I just thought it was interesting. And I, I guess, you know, if you don't see him, you don't see him. Who was, in your opinion, the best player you ever played with at Michigan State? Man. Because you played with some of the best. Yeah, I get this. I've gotten this so much, man. You know, I. You should be well versed. You should be ready for it then. Denzel Valentine's almost averaging a triple double. Then I got Cassius Winston. Then I got Miles Bridges. Gosh, man. It, you know, I'm asking for college, I guess, because, I mean, if you're going by an NBA standard, obviously it's TBD because some guys are on the doorstep still that you play with, you know, Tillman and, and Cash. But, I, I mean, probably Jaron Jackson in terms of the NBA. It's in terms of the best NBA player. But yeah. college, it's got to be between Cassius Winston and Denzel Valentine. I, I, that's really kind of what I'm digging into. Like, if you had to pick one, you're starting a team, who are you picking between those two? Man. And I know you love them both. It's not about denigrating one. You know, they're both they're two of the best five ever for this program. I'm just going to say, I'm, Cash, hear me out, man. I'm just going to say Denzel Valentine just because he had rebounds. But Cash, I mean, Cash had the points and assists. Zell had the assist points and rebounds, though. So I'll just I'll go with Valentine. I, I had to drag it out of you. <laughs> I had to pull it out. I had to pull it out of you. No, it, but what a good problem to have, though. It's yeah. like you're playing with these two generational great, players. Great point guards. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Denzel did win a national player of the year. I mean, he was outstanding. So, and another one of those guys that had a huge leap. You know, similar to Draymond Green, uh, where it's like you know they started as okay players their freshman year and then just were incredible by the end of their Spartan careers. I think it's interesting. Michigan State, under Tom Izzo, has been one of the best five or six programs in the country, I would argue. I mean, in terms of conference titles, Final Fours, by almost any metric, there is that missing second national title. I don't think Tom Izzo needs it to validate himself. He's got the one. What more does he have to do? But I do think it would elevate him. There's certainly some value in it. Is that something that you guys ever talked about? Did he ever talk about? Or was that more just unspoken? Is that more of a media fan creation? He talks about a championship every year. He does. He talks about championships. So you guys are openly you know, discussing it. I mean, he definitely wants another championship with the guy. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, you know. He's in the ultimate basketball honor right there. Like, Smith Hall of Fame. That's, you know, to play for a coach that's in the Hall of Fame. You know, not many people can say that. And, uh, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, Coach Izzo, he, he's hungry, man. He's always hungry. He wants another championship. All like. He could win one tomorrow. He'd try and win one. The, the scary thing with him is as good as the history has been with him, the best really could be yet to come. And that's what's frightening for the rest of the country, I would think, because you see the recruiting run they're on. Have you been following this at all? Oh, it's scary. You know what's going on yeah. in East Lansing right now? You, you guys, for all your accomplishments, it's like you guys set the bar so high. The bar is going to be that much higher if all these guys make it to campus. I know you don't have any more insight than I do or anybody else. I don't think Imani Bates himself knows whether or not he's ever going to suit up there. But if he does, I mean, that, this is probably potentially the peak of Michigan State basketball, is it not? Yeah, with that many five stars, that's an exciting time. It's crazy to think that a guy who, Tom Izzo, approaching 70 years old, has been around forever, has done so much that the best could still be you know, in his windshield and not the rear of your mirror. I mean, it's just fascinating to me. 
the health of the program, what sense do you get for Tom Izzo's steam? How much gas does he have left in the tank? The common theory, not based on any evidence, but just based on people's intuition, is his son Stephen Izzo is going to be a sophomore. He's got three years left. He's not going to redshirt or anything. He'll be around. Three years from now, Tom Izzo retires. I mean, do you have any sense? I know you don't know. Again, I don't think Tom knows. But do you have any sense of what he's got in his future? How, how much gas is left in the tank there? I think, I think he's, he'll never stop. He'll never stop. I don't think he'll ever stop. I think stop, he's going to be a Supreme Court. He's going to die on One time he bench. had like hernia surgery, and two days later, he's in there coaching, man. He's the guy loves, loves basketball, loves Michigan State. I, I, so you think he's going to last at least through Stephen Izzo's uh, three years of the Ciamatti Bates? Because it's like, that's the thing, you know, when Stephen Izzo showed up there, the common uh, take was like, okay, we got Tom for at least four more years. It was like a, a sort of a human embodiment of a contract extension where Tom won't retire for four years because he wants to at least see his son through. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's an exciting time. And uh, just, you know, I, I think you had a, such a good career there. And it's so good to have you back in the state of Michigan. I know you had a signing today. I mean, what is your relationship with Spartan Nation? I mean, do you have uh, the same love for Michigan State that we do for you? That's the question on everyone's mind, I'm sure. What's it like being a Michigan State athlete is what I'm asking. Great. Spartans are everywhere, man. When I go back to Dallas, I even get a couple go greens when I'm out downtown. Not right now because of COVID and everything, but. You know, the players always showing love, and they're everywhere. And I love Michigan State. It's always going to have a special place in my heart. There was even a guy in Germany at, my, at one of my games, and he's like, uh, go green. And I was like, go white. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's a great, great fan base, and it really is a family fan base. And I love it. And I want to back up a little bit to your recruitment. You know, you're in Duncanville. I, I mean, obviously, everyone knows Michigan State basketball to some extent. What was your first time talking to Tom Izzo? He's recruiting you. You know, who was it? One of the assistants after you initially? Usually that's the case, right? The, who was recruiting you? One of the assistant coaches recruiting you initially, yeah, right? Coach Stevens and Coach, Coach Stevens. Izzo. So, what is your first conversation with Tom Izzo like? We're calling him Coach Stevens. I always call him DJ. DJ. Oh, yeah. If you say DJ, no one's going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, first conversation with Coach Izzo. So I just got back from the LeBron James Skills Academy and I had just recently decommitted from SMU. And so that was his first time seeing me play. And I think uh, Larry Brown was the coach at SMU when I uh, decommitted. And um, he was, Larry Brown was sitting by Coach Izzo and I think he told Coach Izzo, he's like, hey, this, you should recruit this kid. He just uh, decommitted and just ended up, played really good and uh, Coach Izzo really liked me and ended up uh, recruiting me and they brought me up to, uh, well, my dad's originally from Midland, so I had a gram. my grandma lived in Midland, so I came up uh, that summer to visit her, and then I came on an unofficial visit to Michigan State. We played open gym with uh, Costello, Dawson, Valentine, Forbes, those guys, and uh, just really liked it. And then I came for my official like two months later then um, in September, and then I ended up committing in history what's the what's the pitch though like what's what's time is saying to you when he's trying to entice you to come because it seems like the second you're on campus it's yelling at you and trying to get you better what's he trying to say to you to entice you to come what did he say to you why come to michigan state he just tells you he tells you how he sees it you know he wants to get you to where you want to get and how he's going to get you there you know he's he's honest he's, he's straight up with you he's a great that's why everybody loves playing for him and he's emotional he, and he just shows a shows a passion that he just cares so much about you and you just just love playing for it man it's 
it's really hard to describe it. You just love playing. You are my favorite epidemiologist, Matt. So I'm going to ask you, expert opinion, you're in your expert medical opinion. Are we playing college basketball this year? I think we are. You think we are? What would you do? You're a senior on the team. You want to play ball? Are you sitting out? Are you afraid of COVID as a player if you're a senior at Michigan State right now? Me personally? You personally. If I'm a senior? Yeah, are you, are you playing? I'd probably play. You're playing. You think they should play? Because I, I, what I said last show is none of us know. Nobody yeah, knows I anything. Mean, there's, not a, there's not a right answer right now. There's no. so much uncertainty, you know, but, you know, if there was an option to play, I would play. Matt McQuaid is playing side. That's going to be the headline. Matt McQuaid would play ball. So we're going to blast that out. Oh, Matt, man, so. you're going to get me in trouble. No, I'm not going to get you in trouble. Everyone knows that everyone has a layman's opinion. And that's what we've talked about on the show in the past, that on something like this, it's a novel coronavirus. There is no expert on something that's novel. Right. There's, no, there's no expert on something that's new, that's unprecedented. It's actually incompatible with the definition to argue that there would be an expert. So there's experts in the general field of virology and, and diseases and things of that nature. There's no expert on this one. So I think it's everyone making their best guess and just going from there. I'm not a doctor either. I think you should play ball, but that's just where I stand. As a player, I was curious to get your input. So. I think it'd be a pretty special tournament, though, because, I mean, nobody would ever forget this tournament. No. You know, it. you could say, I played in that tournament. I, you know, I won that, like, nobody's ever, if they did have an NCAA tournament, nobody would ever, like, forget this. The thing that was such a bummer in, I mean, there were a number of things, obviously, but having this most recent March Madness end before it began was I thought Michigan State was finally hitting their stride and got the snarl that they didn't have all year. It was a, a bizarre year beset by tragedy. There were injuries, obviously, to Langford right at the beginning that were just uh, depressing as much as they were upsetting on the floor itself. The biggest, Cassius Winston's brother, tragically dies. It, it was just a, a black cloud over that entire season through no fault of their own. And then they're finally starting to come out of that. They, they look the best they ever did, and then it feels like the rug is pulled out from under them. I don't think they had the snarl that your senior team did for most of the season going into that you know, tournament and then through the Final Four. And they finally discovered it. I mean, am I crazy? I know you follow the team. That team was probably going places, right? Oh, they were good. They were getting hot. They were legitimately I, good. I watched that Ohio State game on senior night, and I was like, man, they, they can win this thing. Like, they, they were clicking. Did you see when they rallied late in the year? I think it was against Penn State when Tom Izzo's breaking his uh, fingers on his own hand trying to call a timeout, and Winston vetoes him and just ignores him and waves him off, and they go and score, ended up winning the game. And Izzo is screaming at him on the sideline, and Winston gets right, right in his face and he's just shaking his head. It's like, we, I, I never saw that out of Cassius. Maybe you did in practice in prior years, but no one ever saw that side of Cassius Winston. And yeah. it's like, this team is finally, they have all the talent, they, they have the effort, they have the heart, they have the, the right team chemistry, they love each other, they have a Hall of Fame coach, but they just kind of lack that, that toughness and snarl that you needed to be a great team. They discovered it, and then like the season just ends. I mean, that, I think that is considered the great lost season for Michigan State Athletics in any sport where that, that team, we were cheated out of not just Cash, Cassius Winston's senior swan song, but as it turns out, Xavier Tillman's swan song. I mean, it's just, it's the worst thing that's ever happened uh, for Michigan State, I would think. Yeah. So, Rough. 
That was the lost season. So there are people that joke that we're going to hang banners for the national champion. Just claim it, you know, like they, they did in the 1920s. Like if you had a good year, you could just claim what the was, national. What was that football team? You uh, Southern Florida? Or uh, it was at UCF. UCF. Yeah, they yeah, it was UCF. Yeah, yeah, just claiming the national title. So I think we should do that. I think we should just hang a banner at <laughs> 2020 COVID champions. But so anyway. I, I think that was a, a shame, and, and that's uh, you know, it's just something that we'll never know. Um, it's sad, and I'm bummed that we're not going to see Xavier Tillman get a senior year. Although I think he probably did the right thing. I don't know. I mean, he's like the oldest 22 year old or 21 year old, whatever he is in the world. Like two kids, he showed up on campus with a kid, I think. And it's like if I were him, I'd probably go to the NBA too. But so uh, in rapping, you know, you're playing in Germany right now. I mean, not this second, obviously, but that's kind of where you're at in your career, right? Yeah, as of now, um, I still don't know where I'll be for this coming season, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a beautiful country, I've heard, so we'll have to, we'll have to check you out over there if you end up back there. And uh, I thank you for your time. Uh, it's been great having you. I think you are one of the, the best Spartan dogs of the Izzo era, a guy that just gave it all on the floor. I would put you and Kyle Lawrence kind of right up there as two of the biggest dogs that we had come through there. So. As a Michigan State fan, and uh, I think I can speak for everyone, uh, Tara Stafford and all the other diehard Spartans on Twitter, uh, thank you for all that you did for us. Uh, you, gave it all, you gave it your all. You hung banners. You beat Michigan on the biggest stage possible. So thanks, and uh, I appreciate everything you did for us. Well, thanks for having me, man. I had a great time, and uh, look forward to do these again. With this has been the Spiro Avenue Show. Thank you to Matt McQuaid, who... Joined us from East Lansing. You, you had a little bit of a commute here. So thank you for coming all the way to our, our little quaint studio in Rochester, Michigan. From East Lansing, it's good to have you home. Welcome back. Thanks for all that you did. We have our producer, Roberto, from home who's putting this on. Uh, he's terrified of COVID or something. I don't know. I don't know if he's like a germ freak or what his deal is, but he refuses to come in. I begged him. I said, we have a distinguished guest coming in with uh, a lot of Twitter followers and, and a huge basketball following and he refused but he is pushing the buttons on his couch thank you to roberto thank you to everyone for watching we have a, a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, the show's rolling appreciate you joining us wherever you are listening wherever you are watching whenever you catch us thank you for making us part of your day justin spiro with matt mcquade the spiro avenue show thank you